Well, Steve, tell tell Michael about what you're doing uh, with the uh, the van that, or the truck site, and tell him what what's going on there. Because at some point we're gonna hit him up to do uh, a benefit for us with the other comedians. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, so we have a, a 53 foot uh, tractor trailer that's down in Austin right now that was given to us. Uh, donate, donated to us by a woman who she and her husband had a an organization called Christina Smile for uh, almost 30 years and they traveled around the country did three of these things and they were sponsored by the senior PGA golf tour and roadway trucking and just a lot of big kind of corporate sponsors and they would wherever the golf tour would go they would park this in the nearby neighborhoods or town you know cities like for Pebble Beach they go to Salinas and things like that and then dentists like like Dr. Tim would come for a day or a couple of days and volunteer and do free dental work for underprivileged kids. And so they did that for a long time. And then um, a few years back, Dr. Garza passed away kind of unexpectedly, uh, certainly too soon. And um, his wife, Diane, kept the trailers in storage. And um, Tim contacted me and said, you know, told me the story and just said, I, you know, she could sell these or give them away or whatever. They're state-of-the-art dental offices on wheels. There's three chairs, an x-ray lab. Like you can do all kinds of work in there, uh, according to Tim, and from what they used to do as well. And so we flew down there last year and met with her, and she showed us one, and we talked to her about it, um, the ideas for kind of creating a new organization and, and um, presented the idea of taking care of veterans. And she was – unaware of what a lot of people are unaware of, which is that veterans don't receive dental care unless they're 100% disabled, have been a prisoner of war, a Purple Heart recipient, or have a dental connected, uh, service connected dental issue. So it's, it's the lowest of the lowest percentage of veterans that actually get any kind of dental care. And so um, there's a ton of, a ton of, a, you know, veterans out there that need, need the help. So we ran a buyer and she said, well, if you go and you want to start an organization, I'll just give you this one. You can have it. And so I would turn to Tim and like, well, I guess we're starting an organization. So we came back up and we formed it and we've had a couple board meetings and we've got a great board mix of veterans and dentists and business people in the, in the community. And um, we're getting ready to bring it up here. Uh, we, you know, we were getting ready to pull the trigger and, and hire a driver to bring it up right before all the, the shelter in place started. But we have some money in the bank to, to do that with, and we're going to get it up here and then start, you know, hopefully later this year when things open up, be able to start putting together some clinics and taking care of veterans. So, you know, the other part of that is we'll have fundraisers. Um, you know, we're, we're down the road, we'll be seeking support from the VA itself to, to hopefully offset the work that we're doing. But right out of the gate, you know, we're a nonprofit organization that is um, going to be relying on, grants and donations and sponsorships and fundraisers. So, um, you know, Michael Pritchard here is on our advisory board um, to help us out with all that stuff as well. Uh, the COVID-19 shelter in place kind of just made it to where, well, we're, we're at our home and then this, the Zoom explosion is happening. And, you know, we said, let's, let's get this thing going. So um, now, now we have this, this platform of um, in the barracks that, we're going to be rolling out new episodes every Friday and um, who knows how much longer we'll be in the shelter in place, but it'll continue after that. And this is just kind of giving us a chance to get, get the groundwork laid and get some episodes rolling before 
everyone gets back out there. So. Awesome. Yeah. Good background, Steve. And so that we're perfect, Steve. That was absolutely great. Now I wanted to, I wanted to just get shift over to this. Mike, you have seen the city of San Francisco change in the past 15 years. And there's so many homeless on the street. What do you see? Because you're, you're very smart. Tim and Steve and I are interested in how do we help the city of San Francisco with the issue of if we can alleviate with the, the veterans uh, some of the sorrows and, and sadness and pain out there on the streets with the homeless, what have you noticed? What have, what have you seen that, that be the change in, in your family and the issues that you come across? Because, I mean, you have a huge family and, and they all must discuss this. And plus folks in the neighborhood, what have you seen? What are the big changes there in the homelessness issue, Mike? If you could share. Well, just with the shutdown, people are a lot more desperate. Um, you know, there's no place to go to the bathroom. You know, all the libraries and the Starbucks are closed. So there's a lot more people just having to go to the bathroom on the street. Um, but in a larger sense, uh, finding some sort of place where people can stabilize. Now, a lot of people, in fact, most people who are homeless have a very low tolerance for bureaucracy. Now I have a house, but I have a low, you know, I live in a house. I don't have a house, but I live in a house, but I have a low tolerance for bureaucracy, but you know, put yourself on the street without bathing and everything else. Uh, that's going to um, give you uh, a low tolerance for having to follow certain rules and regulations or do this or that. So I don't know. I mean, if I knew the answers, I could wave a magic wand, but people having a place to live, I always thought the, uh, the idea of um, putting people in places where they could establish a place to live and work and do something. Um, I mean, Reagan shut all the mental institutions, which were, uh, and a lot of people then had no place to go. Those of course are giant bureaucracies, but the idea of uh, having something to do, they, very interesting article I read on refugee camps is when they put them in, in uh, linear units and everybody is, everything's lined up that uh, you still have all crime and you have all sorts of people who don't uh, progress beyond refugee status. But when you change the shape of a refugee camp into a circle where you have, everybody surrounds a circle. So there's 20 or 50 cabins or tents you have a central area, people can see who's doing what, and they are far more cooperative. And I think something like that is probably the model that dealing with the homeless issue would be. And I don't think cities have that space. So you may have to go to someplace uh, outside of a city. Uh, but if you create a camp of some sort that is enabling people to have their own place and to start to see that what they do is of worth. And that starts with just, you know, learning how to make your bed and, and uh, you know, and of course, a lot of people suffer from all sorts of mental delusions. I mean, my brother uh, took his own life because of his mental illness. And, you know, he's got a huge loving family and everything else. So a lot of the people out there are suffering from that. So it's not like you can just say, okay, well here, if we give you a nice place to live, you're gonna be fine. Uh, because the reason people are homeless is because they can't deal with uh, what has existed. 
but it's accelerated once they're on the street. So, uh, but I think some people can be reached, uh, certainly people who uh, are able to sober up and stabilize a little bit, maybe uh, have a better shot at it. But if we're going to sit there and go, hey, this works because 25% of the people get well or something like that, it's, it's different, difficult to quantify, I think. So, right. like I said, why I is it so important? Why is it so important for all of us as citizens to volunteer? I love your brother, Howard, and I love you. And I just know that I appreciate your sharing that with us today because it helps us understand, not overstand, but understand. But Mike, why is it important for us to do this outreach with the dental programs, with all of these programs that help that suffering on the street? What's in your opinion, why is that so important for all of us to, to do what we can and do our part as American and community unity citizens? Well, I think it's connecting with people. I mean, like uh, as much as like say alcoholism, drug addiction is about isolation, uh, so is homelessness. So um, it's having a human connection and someone cares about them uh, that can start them on the way. But um, it's, it's a long uphill road, but I think connecting with people, I mean, the people who are say homeless, who have a regular place they go to and people know them, uh, they're part of the community. So, I mean, I think that helps stabilize them. Uh, and unless you're suffering from extreme uh, mental uh, difficulties, um, I think that works when you, you, you still have a place in the community. You're not chased out of town and tarred and feathered or scorned. You're, you're accepted and people are kind to you and they offer you things and they say hello. Um, but of course, a lot of times, uh, you know, we're busy with our lives. We don't have time to engage with that person. But uh, I, I do see right. the people who are homeless or marginalized, uh, if they find a little place to connect up and be part of the community, that they seem a lot more stabilized. So, What does that do for them, Michael, in your opinion? What does that do to have some sort of anchor in the community? That gives you a purpose, like all of us. I mean, we look for a purpose. I mean, that gives you, hey, I, I can't go uh, off and do this. I have to do this. Like this one guy, all he does, he sweeps this uh, sort of corner uh, on 9th and Irving. And he's just, I don't know if somebody gave him a broom one time or whatever, but that's his thing. And he greets people. And uh, I've seen him uh, sometimes be off his medication maybe, but for the most part, he's stabilized he says hello to people people know him they give him things uh he he's connected with the community so yep yeah where it starts dr tim can you can you remember a, a a person you dealt with who had major trauma in their childhood whether it was a vet or whatever and it, and it kind of shocked you as you were because they when you started to give them nurture comfort and healing they wanted to reveal more to you. Can you remember a time like that? Well, I think uh, we see it a lot. I, you know, I, I feel, again, fortunate to do the work that we do. And it's not only dental work, but we're working with human beings and they become family and friends and those relationships are built on trust. And so um, you come in contact with a lot of them. And when we did some of that pathway homework, Michael, yeah. Uh, you could really see the trauma in, in these poor guys' uh, eyes. Uh, I treated a gentleman that was simply just roaming around Northern California for four years, smoking methamphetamine, and uh, he was 
super angry. We started initially doing some work on him, and unfortunately, we lost track of him. I'm not sure where he ended up going, but uh, I hope he's still okay. But, you know, uh, just, just lost souls, you know, and trying to deal with horrific trauma. Um, so, yeah, over the years, and, and you know, and then you interact with uh, families and friends that uh, have lost loved ones, like, like Michael here, that's, I mean, it's tragic. I've lost, I lost my, my older brother when I was 33 and he was 37. It was, it was awful. And, uh, you know, so those traumas, it, we'd see those people, this, it's just human interaction. It's organic. It happens on a daily basis. Um, I think maybe there's different, um, uh, different fields that, uh, see it upfront and more personal than others. Um, of course, the nurses and the doctors right now that are out there on the front lines, like your son, Michael, yeah. he's, I mean, he's just seen it. Uh, it's just, you know, it's real. So, um, yeah, Mike knew him since he was a baby. Uh, Brian was, uh, a year old when Michael, uh, had to move in across the street from him and he watched him grow up and, and you can see it. He's a, such a fine young man. But the world weighs heavy on those on the front lines, first responders, healers, nurses, and now grocery clerks, bus drivers. The world weighs heavy on us. And, and that's why it's important for us to do these kind of conversations. Thank you, Tim, for sharing that about your brother, because this is, this is how we know we have so much commonality. This is how we know we're going to get better, stronger, wiser. When we stop judging people so much, and start helping people more. Thank you for joining us in the barracks. To learn more about our hosts, guests, and how to support Vets Mobile Dental Unit, visit www.inthebarracks.org.